BDR's Prime Resources Podcast is dedicated to providing you with the knowledge you need to help your business achieve prime results, with prime being the most flourishing stage or state. Let's do this. Welcome to the Prime Resources Podcast. I'm Matt MacArthur, BDR's Director of Training. Today, our topic is finding the perfect blend in marketing, strategy, and tactics. Joining us today is Tammy Vasquez. Tammy is BDR's senior head coach. Tammy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. It's great to be here. So glad to have you. Um, For our listeners out there, can you tell us a little bit about what you do at BDR and your background in the industry? Yes, happy to do so. So I've been with BDR for 13 years and started out in the head coaching role. And uh, when I moved into the senior head coach role, I still coach a few clients, but I'm responsible for our head coach team. And that is uh, in relation to developing coaching programs, uh, teaching, training coaches uh, to better work with their clients and uh, oversee uh, some other responsibilities related to, again, new program development along those lines. And then uh, part of my background is I came up through the industry uh, as a territory manager and then uh, bought into a heating and air business and was an owner manager there uh, for a few years before then uh, joining BDR as a, as a coach. All right. So you've, you've been out in the, in the field uh, doing it and now you're coaching other dealers and we could probably have a whole another podcast on all the different things you do for BDR. So we are <laughs> glad to have you on our team. Thank you, Matt. Uh, but our, our topic today is marketing and wanted to talk about uh, both the strategy and the tactical side of marketing. So my first question to you, Tammy, is uh, what is the difference between having a marketing strategy and marketing tactics? That's a great question. When you look at marketing strategy, really that is the almost the long game. You know, you have to identify What do you want your company to be and how you want it to be perceived in the marketplace? Along with that comes with, you know, driving revenue, of course, and and new business um, so that you can grow, grow the company. But when you look at marketing tactics, the the difference in that would be the actual steps and how you get that accomplished. So if you'd like to, you know, be the, the premier residential contractor in your marketplace, and that would be the vision or part of the strategy, but the tactics that support that are related to, you know, perhaps having a website, uh, some type of direct mail campaign, the actual steps on how you communicate that out to the marketplace. Okay, got it. And I, to me, I think this is an, an important distinction in marketing because just from my experience, I kind of feel like a lot of dealers uh, focus on the tactical side versus the strat having a strategy and then applying tactics to uh you know to enact that strategy so my next question let me ask you this why is it important to have a strategy for marketing and not just have a tactic like uh well social media or something why is that strategy part important yeah the strategy once you identify who you are and what you want to be, you know, in the, is perceived in the marketplace, you need to be able to, when you're looking at the strategy, you need something to measure against. You need to know if you've arrived. It, it, it entails creating vision, again, for your business, 
uh, internally marketing to your existing to your own team members, but as well as how do we want to uh, grow the business? Where do we see ourselves one year, two year, five years from now? So the strategy really en encompasses also the vision of where the company is going. And so that's why you need that first. So you can then develop the specific steps or the tactics on how to get there. I like that. It's a bigger picture of uh, having a strategy. And so what would what would be kind of a strategy that a dealer might have related to marketing? Yeah, so if, you know, oftentimes you have to also look at where the business is in its life cycle. Is it a brand new company, you know, less than five years old? Is it a well-established company in, the, in uh, say, 15, 20 years? So first and foremost, identifying where the growth opportunities are within the business. Let's say a company has done heating and air for 15 years and they'd like to expand into say a plumbing segment. Well then that is a long-term strategy to grow the, the additional revenues for the business. But now how do we communicate that message back out to the marketplace so that way we can drive the leads in order to, to grow the revenue? It's it's interesting how you put that because to me you're you're taking a few steps back than I think the average person does. Where to me, if if I ask that question of uh, some dealers I know, they'd probably say, "Well, my strategy is to get more leads, and uh, the way I'm going to do that is is X, Y, and Z." But you're mm -hmm. you're back there talking about the company as a whole and where you want to go, you know, with that company for the future. Can you? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, oftentimes, and we see this in coaching all the time because the desire is grow, grow, grow. Absolutely, we support that 100% in coaching. But what happens is we need to assess where the company is right now. And, and this is where really marketing is so fascinating and I love so much about it is that why not assess where you're really at and identifying, you know, do I have tracking, you know, put in place? Do I have, you know, um, what are the current strategies that I'm, or tactics, I should say, that I'm employing? Do I have a website? You know, do I have a client retention program? Um, what do I do to, to generate new business? And so many times, we see this in coaching all the time, is that we can actually get more out of what you already have. But again, when you're looking at the strategy of where you want to go, why go invest a ton of money in something new just only to find out that if you put a little bit more effort, and here's the other part that makes it so important, consistency. That's where um, lack of consistency affects a dealer's growth because they'll try a lot of things. I like to try a lot of new things too in marketing. That's the fun part of the creative part. But again, take a step back. Where do you see yourself? How do you wanna be perceived in the marketplace? Assess what you're currently doing. Could we get more out of what we're already doing? I mean, I'm, I'm talking, all the way down to, you know, when you're examining how the phones are answered, I've seen time and time again, coaches see this, we've been on site at clients' places, and just about how the phone is uh, handled, answered, uh, calls redirected, so much is lost, even when you look at the conversion rate of an inbound call, and does it, does it result into a service appointment or a sales lead? You know, and you're talking 40, 50%, even just fixing something like that, marketing is, is not advertising. It's also looking at those processes and saying, 
hey, if I just adjust the way that we're answering the telephone, perhaps we could capture a few more leads, get a bigger bang for the buck where you're already spending your money. And now all of a sudden, all inbound calls result in 60, 70, 80% um, in a booked appointment of some kind. So that's where this becomes very, uh, a lot of layers to it. <laughs> so definitely a lot of layers when you're developing your strategy. Because then it goes into branding, right? It could bounce off into branding. I won't go that far right now, but peel the layers back, look at where we're at, assess where do we want to be? How many you know leads are we going to need in order to grow? What do we already have? And do we have the tracking in place to, to measure that effectively? Boy, yeah, I, I just think you really nailed it with that answer of how, that the importance of strategy, because it takes into account all these other pieces. It's not just, okay, we're going to spend X amount of dollars to get the phone to ring, you know, but mm -hmm. do we have the right people answering the phone? Are they answering it the right way? Are we going to capture those uh, leads and convert them at a high rate? That's where the strategy comes in because you can put all those pieces together and then uh, really have a cohesive way of going about to do this. Um, so I, I just I love that. And I think that's why strategy and marketing is so critical. The tactics are important, but you have to have that big picture strategy that you talked about, the long game for really what you're trying to get done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So. Let me, uh, let's change gears a little bit. We talked now about strategy and marketing tactics. Where do you see that dealers are most challenged related to marketing? Probably a number of areas. And again, it depends on again, where they're at in their business cycle and whether or not they're an established company. But I mentioned earlier consistency and tracking. Oftentimes the tracking is not put in play. And what, what I mean by that is all inbound calls, whether it's a service or a sales appointment, do we know where the lead comes from? You know, are we tracking its closing ratio, average ticket? You know, it's not just enough to know the, um, the average cost per lead, but really what's our acquisition costs? You know, if we're only closing a 25% on a say a particular marketing uh, tactic i'll just say direct mail for example and you know when we look at that and say the average cost per lead is a hundred dollars well you got to go on four of those leads to so your acquisition costs are technically four hundred dollars to acquire that sale mm. that oftentimes uh most clients can be challenged you know when they're really looking at what does it really cost me what are the actual results of my marketing because oftentimes they'll just lump everything into existing customer. They don't break it down into a bit more detailed categories. And so they don't really know what works or what doesn't work. Or the lack of consistency prevents them from measuring all those things. And they'll try something and think that after 30 days or 60 days, hey, this isn't working, and then bounce off and try move off to and try something else. Where sometimes those types of, uh, depending on the tactics that you're using, need a 30, a 60, 90, you know, 120 day time frame to really see if they're working. Okay. So let me ask you this. What, what is one of those tactics that, that might need a longer time frame to develop that consistency? Yeah, I would say anything with your digital platform, hmm. well, all things internet, let's say. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hear that term, people are using that now, all things internet. So your website, 
that is something you really want to partner with and have outsourced. And anything related to that digital footprint, your social media, oftentimes clients will post blogs on their, say, their Facebook site. And, you know, they might get a few likes here and there, but they don't really take the time to figure out what could be most engaging for their clients. And when they partner with their website provider, that constant, uh, they should at least meet with their web, that website provider at least once a month, go back through and re review the results and then make adjustments to that campaign as they go along. Because that is something that you're easily looking at 90 days out. By the time they build the site, it could be 30 and then add another 90 onto that. Some clients might see some results earlier, but again, give it 90, 120 days and you got to constantly be tweaking it because those blogs may not be enough. Posting a great video about how hard your team is working out in the field, um, job site photos, those are the kinds of things that you can adjust as you go along to make it more engaging for the client. But that's where you have to continue to work with your website provider to, to assist to assist a client or a dealer in that way. Okay, yep, so uh, recommendation that uh, dealers find a good partner for their website that can help them through this and have consistent meetings with them. Um, and, you know, I just gotta keep going back to the strategy part of this because, you know, you're talking about consistency, you're talking about tracking, you're talking about being patient. That's all stuff you can kind of, it's easier to build in as part of a strategy on the front side rather than when you're down in the weeds, you know, and well, this week we didn't have any any likes on our, our blog post, so well, we should shut that down. No, no sense uh, spending time on that, but if you go back to your strategy, you know that there's a longer time frame and it's it's about more than that. Um, so let me ask you this, Tammy. Uh, mentioned a couple tactics here, you know, having uh, blogs, a, a website. What, what are some of just the other things? I know our, our listeners probably are familiar with a lot of them, but just kind of the whole arsenal of uh, marketing tactics out there that, that you see that are effective. That is it. That is a very loaded question because there's a, <laughs> <laughs> but I can say in, in working with clients again for the past 13 years and even back on the contracting side, when you look at, at the tactics, definitely, you know, this also, Matt, you bring back to the strategy. Really, when you think about marketing, it's really about processes. It still will come down to, like you said, potentially getting into the weeds and then examining those processes. But again, the ones that we already just talked about, having a great website and client engagement, things that are related to social media, then what I would do is then internally look at what kind of program do I have in place for client retention? Because the thing is that we can drive a lot of new business to our company, but if we don't have a process in play, to retain them. And I'm talking about ongoing communication, which then drives your membership or your maintenance agreement sales, that being the foundation. So if you look at a client, if they haven't done business with you in the last year or so, probably not your client, or they're at risk of not being your client through that, let's um, say even maybe up to a year and a half, mm -hmm. but getting back to your existing clients, engaging them and educating them on indoor air quality, the membership program, having a, a fun newsletter or email campaign that again helps that client get to know you better 
don't post all the canned type of ads. Utilize things that are very specific to featuring team members, best you know practices for keeping your home comfortable and safe, you know things like that. And the other one that is critical, my mind, is outbound calling. And clients, dealers can get a little nervous about making outbound calls because they don't want to seem like a telemarketer. But that's where you go back to your marketing processes and utilize, um, I don't like to use the word scripting, but again, it's skills training, role playing. Um, it is scripting, but something that's unique and comfortable for you as a company and a team member for your team members to reach out and call clients because it's the number one way to keep your service schedule full and it's the least costly marketing tactic that you can do. Very interesting because outbound calls is not a tactic that comes up in a lot of marketing conversations I have with dealers. So that is a unique one that I, that I want to come back to. But I, I before that, you mentioned earlier um, that there are some differences between established companies and new companies and, and what they may need to do with their marketing strategies. And you've talked about a couple of different things where there's going to have to be some content built, you know, if it's a social media post or a little article on the blog. Can you talk about who could develop that content? You know, I'm, I'm thinking of smaller dealers, newer businesses. They might be hearing this and being like, well, I don't have the time to do all that. Uh, and the bigger businesses are just a matter of, well, we got a bunch of people on our team. They're focused on generating revenue. Who, who should do that kind of content generation for us? So established company, new company, who, who helps develop the content? Yeah, for um – a newer company that may be um, a bit shorthanded or hasn't you know, grown to a point where they have other team members on their staff that can assist them, that's where I would lean on the marketing company or the website, mm. whoever the website provider is who's built their um, or who does their digital marketing because they can provide them with suggested posts that could make it easy for them or they don't have to sit there <clears throat> and develop the, the written content for it or the messaging. And then also they can create messaging for three, four or five months out. And they could just say, hey, look at this is something you could post once a week. Because again, it's about the consistency. It'd be better to post once a week as opposed to five times in one week and then don't do it again for six, eight weeks. So I would rely on the, um, out, the uh, company that they work with outside of their business that does their digital marketing. But also, too, even as an owner, taking the time one day a week just to write, say, a post on Facebook, you know, thanking the community, thanking a, a team member, that type of thing goes a long way because now the community gets to see the owner speak and talk and it allows them to get to know them better. Same thing could actually be applied also for the established companies. We're seeing uh, where team members say, service coordinators slash dispatchers, sales coordinators, they are also working very closely, you know, with the technicians and the, and the um, sales team and installers. And oftentimes they'll take a trip out to a job site. They'll do a ride along. They'll do a quick video or a selfie out at a job site. And that's where ownership 
usually what happens is depending on the size of the company, the owners are still very involved in managing the sales side of things. So that also oftentimes involves the marketing, but they may have actually have a marketing coordinator on board. And that's where the scheduling of these types of events or practices could be, um, again, handled by a coordinator, or if the owner is directing these back through um, each of the respective departments. But it just takes small little things like that to stay consistent with and getting you know the, the community or, or engaging the community, I should say, in that way. Perfect, but yeah, I, I think that's great advice. So let, let's come back then to the, the outbound calls um, approach that you mentioned for marketing. Is that, um, is that a sales marketing tactic for uh, you know, new installations or is it a service marketing tactic for getting service work? Is it both? Tell us a little bit more about how that outbound call strategy works. Yes, it's actually for both. If we if you think about marketing for service, there's a, a lower um, entry, you know, as cost for a homeowner to make a decision. And so oftentimes with the outbound calling, we work to keep the service schedule full. We can offer a, a maintenance, say a one time maintenance. We could offer a, a membership program. The there's so much opportunity within a service department gets a business within a business, right? If they go on a service call, they may make some recommendations. And so what you want to do is um, provide a, a tool chest, say for your dispatcher or marketing, or not marketing coordinator, but your maintenance coordinator, and have some items that they can continually follow up on. So again, for service, you could be making outbound calls for maintenance, your membership program, repairs, recommended repairs, making an outbound call, educating and informing them on, say, a new indoor air quality product. That also, uh, tied with the outbound calling, there could be some text message marketing that goes out to uh, prompt that and then making the follow-up call. Or an email campaign can be sent out ahead of time. And then the person, whoever's doing the calling, is following up for a reason. So it's not doesn't come across as a hard sell. But oftentimes, that's where leads will get converted over for the sales side. Following up, you know, on an aged system, let's say, or uh, continual leaks year after year. Hey, it's about time you might think about considering replacing your system. You know, we've, you know, uh, recorded these leaks, you know, for the last couple of years. That could also be a way to engage the client or the homeowner and then convert that over to a, a lead for the sales department. Yeah. Uh... It's kind of, it's interesting where we started this conversation on marketing and where I thought it might head into. And it, you've kind of expanded my, well, you have expanded my perception of this. I mean, there's all these, this world of marketing in a dealer's business is much bigger than I think I thought it was. You know, when you're talking about how the phone is answered, the outbound calling that we're making, all this entire perception of our of a company um, is all part of that marketing strategy. So, to me, that's fascinating. It also mm -hmm. creates probably in the minds of some of our our listeners it could be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. You know, so if talk to a, a smaller business out there, um, what would be a, a good 
marketing strategy for them and what are a couple tactics they could focus on that could have a real impact for them? Yeah, no, that's it. I love that question. And it, it can also go back to apply to our uh, even longer time existing clients too, or forgive me, clients that have had their businesses for a much longer period of time. But if I were a business, say under a million and a half, and I've seen the same tactic applied to larger companies as well, is that go back and look at where your business is located and identify some neighborhoods that you'd like to, to own or dominate rather than trying to, you know, uh, be everything to everybody, zero in on some specific areas that you'd like to work. And if this is possible, now I know this is not possible in every market because of the demographics and, and population, but I saw this happen. I, two things, sorry, I get so excited when I think about some of our emerging clients and the things that they're doing, but I would identify say three or four neighborhoods that I'd like to work in. If my existing client base, let's say I only have two or 300 in there, you're obviously going to blow through that list pretty quickly when you make your outbound calls or find ways to, you know, uh, stay engaged with them. But that type of client needs to have at least 60% of all the uh, leads coming into their business need to be from new clients. That's when you start to see that exponential growth happen. But I would identify some neighborhoods or one or two zip codes something that keeps you in close so you don't have to have drive time. There's no reason to go drive 30 or 40 miles to go chase a lead when you have enough uh, population or an area that you'd like to, to own or dominate. You can purchase a mailing list and it may seem a bit old fashioned, but direct mail is still working when it's specific. But take on that neighborhood approach with um, setting up a cadence where you're mailing out to these clients, market for service. Again, it's at least a lesser cost um, purchase for them, right? I'm not saying you don't market for the installation side of things, but you want to always market for service, your maintenance and some accessories. And then you set up a process where you mail into that group, say once every six, eight weeks. Then let's say you perform a service call in that area or you're doing an installation. Then what you do is you do your yard signs. Now I know, um, door hangers that may not be feasible in some markets, that's okay. But at least maybe you could do your yard signs or maybe yard signs are feasible or not feasible and door hangers are. But the thing is, is that oftentimes clients, what they can do is then turn around. And if it's very, um, sounds very, uh, again, almost like a manual approach, but if you're an emerging company and you may not have enough resources to, to, um, spend on additional mailing lists, what you can do is jot down the addresses of say five to seven neighbors. You're already on that street, bring those back and then send a follow-up piece because you really wanna be able to work that neighborhood and then grow. Because the thing is, is that hitting 50 neighbors, okay, that's great. There's direct mail programs out there that will do radius mailing. But the thing is, is that did those people that lived three streets down actually see your truck or van? So that's why I recommend staying close to five to seven, maybe nine neighbors at most, and then go back and let them know that you're working in the neighborhood. That creates some talk, you know, amongst the neighbors, saw your vehicle out there, and then they may um, inquire or ask about the service that was performed, you know, at their friend's home. So definitely um, emerging companies working a neighborhood approach and staying consistent with that. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember when um, I bought 
uh, my the house I live in now, as we were driving around the neighborhoods that we liked, we kept seeing one realtor's sign over and over again. And uh, that was that was our cue. Like, well, we want to get with that guy because he's selling all sorts of houses when we when we sell our house, <laughs> you know. And, yes. and I think that's what these yard signs are really about. It's it's great that we show that we did this job, but it's about getting the next job, you know. Um, mm. One thing I wanted to key in that I thought was really interesting that you talked about there was having that limited focus, maybe just five to nine neighbors. I think sometimes when we talk about marketing, uh, volume is the focus. Well, we got to get this out to the most people possible, you know. Uh, so tell me a little bit more about that strategy and, and how you balance that targeting uh, versus kind of a wide volume approach to marketing. Yeah, and, and especially this works in larger markets. You know, you can take a city like Houston and you think about all the suburbs or surrounding areas. That's a lot of geography to cover. And if you really want people to know who you are, you have to be able to create a presence. Mm. And when you focus on, and again, it doesn't have to be just limited to three neighborhoods. You might pick five, you know, that that would be fine too. But it's about creating that presence, like you mentioned earlier, Real estate agents do a fabulous job at that, and there's definitely a lot to learn from them in that area. But that's the thing is that staying focused, again, you need to be able to measure things. And if you take too broad of approach and send out the not really a fan of large, you know, mass mailings that only hit somebody once, because it's really not enough. It might take five to seven times for that client to actually take action. If we send out one mailer to 50,000 people as opposed to, you know, six, I'm just using the mailer as an example. It could be, you know, other other methodologies of, of getting your name out there. But if, if you don't stay, again, consistent with that and have a lasered approach, you you will be not much. You'll, it's almost like you could be a lot to everybody, you know, or a little to, what am I trying to say? A little to a lot of people or a lot to fewer people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the thing is, is that how do you get your brand out there and to get it to be known in what your company represents, your value systems and all those things? And that's a harder, it's a much harder approach if it's a mass, if it's a mass approach, I guess. Yeah, and it is a little bit like realtors, you know, you don't, uh, uh, you may not pay attention to a, a realtor until you're want to buy a house or sell a house mm -hmm. but but it's all that accumulation of the yard signs and the mailings and the different things that when you need it then the realtor comes to mind right and that same thing i think a little bit in hvac where maybe people aren't thinking about hvac all the time in their lives but boy when they need it we want to be the dealer that comes to mind you know exactly um so I, I really like that. Um, and, and you're talking about maybe some kind of old school, I would qualify it, type of uh, tactics. Um, but they're proven, right? And then they work. And it's not always the flashy thing that's uh, uh, most effective. Exactly. Exactly. But let's get to a couple flashy things. 
because I think you know <laughs> some of our listeners that that's probably what they thought we would be talking about when we got into this uh, marketing discussion. You know, mm-hmm. the, I'm talking about the search engine optimization and mm-hmm. you know social media, these kind of things that are really uh, have a have maybe more immediacy, um, at least in social media or uh, involve different types of technology. What what role? Let's just pick one of them. What what role do you see as uh, social media in in a dealer's marketing strategy? This one, I almost start to get very emotional over. (laughs) And here's the reason why. I mentioned it earlier. This is the best platform for people to know you. Mm. It's still the same thing. People do business with people they know. And uh, your perception out in the marketplace, how, how clients view you, is this one, hands down to me, is amazing and the opportunity that exists to engage a ton of people <laughs> you know i think back to an example a coach had shared with me they had it was um regarding say an indoor quality product if i remember correctly I, I don't remember which one it was off the top of my head but what happened was they posted the information they connected with some other groups that they follow could be a neighborhood program a neighborhood Facebook page, there was a realtor involved on that one. And then all of a sudden, that post was shared. And instead of being viewed maybe by their current following, maybe a couple thousand people or something like that, it was ended up being viewed by over 18,000 people. Wow. And it was very something very heartwarming. It was a, an approach to explaining why you need to think about indoor air quality and Um, how a particular one of their own clients benefited from this particular product being installed. And we were talking about children that aren't suffering from allergy symptoms anymore. So that touched a lot of people, but they, they utilized the, the groups that they were on and those groups in turn shared it. So that just had a huge effect in their community, but to be viewed by 18,000 people, I, I don't know where else you could get that. And it was actually, one of the technicians and the post was a technician and, and a service manager talking about it. And then being able to hear that technician talk about how, I mean, you could tell he was even getting a bit choked up because a client had called in thanking him for recommending this product. And then he in turn was seeing the difference that it made in that child's life. I mean, that that's the kind of thing, that's the combination of utilizing your social media is people don't just hear your words, they get to see them. And that is the thing that makes the biggest impact. That's similar to like television, right? That's why mm-hmm. we get engrossed into television, it affects all of our emotions. Same thing with these social media posts, especially if you tie in video or any pictures. It, it's it's amazing, the outcome. Yeah, what a wonderful example there. You know, one of the things, Tammy, that I've learned, we BDR recently hired a new uh, marketing specialist on our team, as you may know, his name's Tyler. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's brought a lot of uh, good knowledge to our company. And, and one of the things he talks about when we look at social media together is having um, 
it's not all about just blasting out sales messages constantly. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he looks at it in three different ways that you you can have an ask when that might be your sales message. Mm-hmm. You can give content, you know, information that is useful to people that doesn't have a direct sales message. And you can also highlight things. You know, and I think that's what you were talking about there, where there's a situation with this dealer that they they wanted to highlight and get out there and, and having a balance between asking for things, having a sales message, giving information, and then highlighting things makes for a, a nice social media blend if you mm-hmm. can balance those type of three things. Is that something you've seen as well? 100%. Because all of those things, you need to, the end result is you need to be relatable. Mm. And people need to know, can I relate to this um, contractor or this dealer? Because ultimately, what we're building is trust. That's where that particular, if, if I were owning a business, that that would be my focus, right? Is to be able to um, do things in such a consistent manner that I will evoke trust you know, or um, knowledge. And so like what, what you just mentioned that you and Tyler work on, the ask, give, and, and highlight absolutely plays into that. Can't have everything be too salesy because it people don't want to be talked at. You know what I'm saying? They want to be able to take information in and digest it and build up their own knowledge base so they can so they can make good decisions for themselves. If we're constantly pitching, 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 then we're not really achieving what maybe our, our ultimate mission is. And that's where it goes back to the strategy and just determining what do you want to be in the marketplace? Bringing us back to strategy, Tammy, nicely done. <laughs> yeah, that, that is, uh, I just love that you, you brought it back to strategy there because maybe that's the kind of strategy a dealer wants to have. We, we're going to be the most trusted company in our marketplace. And then we're going to build all of our marketing tactics to support that strategy, you know? And so all the things we do are going to be moving towards that goal. And we know if we reach that goal or get closer towards it, all the great things that we want are going to happen. You know, we're going to have plenty of leads. We're going to have satisfied customers that give us referrals, plenty of work Mm -hmm. for our team, all all those good things. So uh, that's so awesome that you brought that back to strategy here because, that's where we started in this discussion, um, and I think it's it's great to to keep that in mind. It's easy to, to again, I think, to get deep into a tactic of social media, for example, and and you could there's so much involved to it, but you can forget what the strategy is. <laughs> exactly the purpose. Exactly. Yeah. So, but let's not leave tactics just yet because I think mm-hmm. they, they are important. What's one other tactic? We talked about social media, had good discussion about that. What's one other tactic that maybe we haven't talked about yet that you think is uh, you've seen be effective in the market? Yeah, I'd say, and again, this one doesn't necessarily relate back to our, our digital platform or our discussion on, on the digital side of things, but you mentioned it already, which is the end game also is to earn referrals mm. and having a really strong referral program and the thing is that a referral program is not just about hey by the way if you refer your neighbor and they purchase a new system we'll give you a hundred dollar gift card okay that's a a component of a referral program 
really what we want to do is look at for our existing clients ongoing engagement that drives the referrals okay so again if you're not even reaching out to your clients two times a year through outbound calling or some type of automated campaign that could go through your field service management software i'm not i'm not saying everything has to only be outbound calling but have some fun events you know where you might have an open house and i've seen a client um, host a, an open house i learned this um, from at profit launch where the client had shared an example of how their open house has grown and maybe there was a couple hundred people the first year now it's it's turned into a three-day event there's thousands <laughs> of people that come through their shop but they make it fun they have a barbecue or I think maybe even a, I don't I don't think this one was a chili cook-off or something but something along those lines they host you know where the clients can come in pre-purchase some filters book their next maintenance appointment and they just have a really good time and so when you think about building referrals yes you definitely have to have a program in place that again this again goes back to marketing processes or strategies forgive me processes within your business that talk about we are a referral-based business. It happens in the service side, it happens in the sales side. It happens when they do their return trip, you know, and talk about uh, how clients are eligible for a rewards program, let's say. But again, it's the ongoing components thereafter in your client engagement slash retention programs that really help fuel a much more rapid growth in your referral and driving referrals for your business. Okay, I, I like where you're going there because um, you mentioned engagement as, as kind of a, a way of going about this. And I think um, in marketing, sometimes, you know, we, we think marketing is about getting new leads. Now you're telling me what I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, was that we also got to market to people that have already been our customer or become our client. We got to keep mm -hmm. them engaged because that's also part of our marketing process because they're the ones that are giving us these referrals that are high value. Is that, am I on the right track? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And here's the example. I remember one time uh, being on site and a client had, was working in the service department and I'll make this short. Client calls in and says, Hey, I'd like to get a, a, my, my, a new maintenance uh, set up. And the client, the dispatcher looks it up. Well, you've been our client for, 12 years, 15 years, we've been doing your maintenance. Oh yeah, but I bought a new system. What do you mean a new system? Oh, no. Well, I can tell you what happened was the competitor educated the client and they told the dispatcher this specifically. Yeah, I found out I could get the high, highest efficient system because with the best financing. Oh boy. Been there. Tell you what, there was an opportunity we uncovered that there wasn't enough uh, communication going back out or training for the technicians to be able to um, explain and educate to the client when it was time to change their system. So again, just because they become your client doesn't mean they stay your client. And my gosh, they did call back and want the maintenance because they loved it so much and they loved the technician, but they didn't, they didn't get the sale, the replacement. They didn't keep that engagement going. Yeah. What a, what a story. That's uh, that's one of those things where that's really painful when you uncover that, but man, that can really motivate you to make a change in your business. When something like that happens. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, exactly. 
and we're talking about engagement. It, may, it makes again. I'm thinking of of a realtor, uh, my my realtor that I used when uh, we bought and sold our last house. I this was I don't know. It might be five years ago that we did that. Still to this day, I get a magazine um, from her that she it has her picture on the on the front cover of it. Some you can personalize this magazine. Um, and she, we still get that from her. Um, and it's, you know, that's one of her tools for keeping uh, thing people mm -hmm. engaged. And she, a couple of years ago, she had, uh, uh, invited us out to Seattle Mariners baseball game, um, uh, because that was a way she was engaging her clients. And it was a bunch of her other, uh, other clients that she had that came to the game. Um, so I, I love what you talked about there of having these kind of events or maybe something that you would normally do and turning it into an event <laughs> um, as exactly. part of the engagement strategy. Yeah, the engagement can fall into many different categories, right? You talked about that event. You Perhaps uh, I had a client that at one point had um, hosted or was supporting um, a run for multiple sclerosis. And so what they did is every time somebody um, had a maintenance done, they created this little sign that would be put along the, the run, you know, saying that they, um, and they also donated a portion of that money, but that allowed them to engage the community and highlight clients along the run that had supported, you know, with a donation or a, it's actually the client, the, the dealer actually took a portion of the money, but then reflected that as um, a way to engage the community in this fun run that, you know, happened annually. I mean, engagement can take on the form of a newsletter, have some fun trivia questions. Clients will always like to call in to see if uh, they got the answers right or have a fun recipe or a contest. I know of a client another time that where they um, annually, when they'd send out their reminders for the maintenance, they'd have a contest and say, call in, book your appointment. Within two weeks of receiving this notification, your um, name will go into a drawing and you'll win a fun prize. It wasn't for more HVAC things. It was mm. dinner for your family or, and movie gift certificates or it was spa gift certificates. There was just really fun customer appreciation gifts that weren't necessarily centered on making, you know, trying to get the client to buy something else from you. So, and those were delivered. They were, you know, um, sent out in a nice package, you know, and then what they did is they announced the winner in the next newsletter. And if the client allowed the tech to take a picture with them, then they posted that on top of it. Wow. So now they're building a community. So that's the thing with engagement is now we can build a community. Yeah, boy, uh, that's just an awesome example. And, and at that point, it's not, uh, it's not as much about like a cost thing. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know there's some costs associated with that, but it's, it kind of takes on a life of its own, you know, and it creates this momentum and, and uh, uh, it's more than just kind of dropping some money on, uh, on a tactic, you know, it's bigger than that. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like we've covered a ton of ground um, on different marketing tactics and then the strategy that kind of encompasses all those. Um, can you kind of take us back to that strategy piece and uh, 
kind of summarize a, a strategy um, for marketing for a dealer and, and how tactics play into that? Yes, absolutely. Again, it's important first to assess where you're at, meaning what are all the tactics or current things that we are currently deploying in our marketing campaigns? And also to assess how well you're tracking things, because again, that could be one of the steps in your marketing strategy is to uh, further build out your tracking system so that way you can get real time information that can help you make better decisions on where to spend the money. Then, you know, take a moment and reflect on your vision and your values as a company and look at the marketing that you're already doing and say, does that convey the message that I'm trying uh, to build out into the community or the marketplace? Then from there, you're also looking at where do we want to grow? You know, when we look at building a business plan, we're involved, we, we set goals for call counts, lead counts. You know, how many leads did we earn? Then look at how many you're going to need and then work towards identifying those marketing tactics. But the core marketing tactics that I would always recommend as a foundation would then be to have your website your, any of your digital marketing, social media campaigns, you mentioned it earlier, search engine, engine optimization. Then the next component that I would have is my client retention. How will I engage my existing clients? So you'd have you know, a list of tactics that could apply for new business. How do we get new clients? That could be our referral program. That could be our neighborhood approach You know, with door hangers, yard signs. And then I'd also be looking at what's my client retention campaign going to entail. And again, there's things that the beauty of this is there's certain components that you can use for both sides, whether you're trying to develop new leads or new customers or, or retain the existing ones. So you can gain some, uh, um, save some money there in that way in your, in your spending because you can utilize the same pieces to engage those clients, whether it's for the retention and then, um, but yeah, for the on the retention side is to have a, a strong campaign, meaning it's built out with when will I talk to the client and how will I talk to them? Will it be direct mail, text messaging, email campaigns, outbound calling? And then to establish that on a calendar so that way the um, program can be implemented and uh, and also to be consistent in that uh, in that process. And that's why she is BDR's senior head coach, folks. <laughs> she just dropped some knowledge on us. That was an incredible summary of everything we talked about. Um, man, that was awesome, Tammy. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. It's always a pleasure. And I'm just thankful for, for the opportunity and for our coaching clients and family. Absolutely. And uh, I think there's more podcasts in our future. Look forward to uh, giving you uh, an opportunity to share more of the knowledge that you have that you, you bring to our clients. Um, so thank you. Um, so great discussion today. Uh, finding that perfect blend between marketing strategy and tactics. Um, Tammy told us we, we got to have that big picture strategy where we're going and it might be bigger than you think uh, involve your company as a whole, not just the marketing side, but then pick those tactics that are going to support that strategy uh, and have the tracking uh, and the support mechanisms in place uh, to have it be successful. 
So with that, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.